tell you this morning, I'm going to be uh, talking about on the second half of a, a sort of a two-week mini-series I'm doing on redemption. And um, so that's where we're trucking with. I've just got a, a PowerPoint I just want to show straight up, just so you can get your, uh, I want to show you a picture here. We, um, every year, Deb and I buy an entertainment book. Is anyone familiar with the entertainment book? They are good value, aren't they? And so the, the idea of an entertainment book, that's it, is that, um, that is packed full of vouchers and deals and discounts for restaurants, cafes, like cool stuff that you can do with your kids. Um, and it's really, really cool. So, and we keep it in our car as well because we want it accessible. If we're going to go out on a date or we like accidentally go out on a date, we're like, oh, you've got the entertainment book here. And so we can go into the entertainment book and, and you look in the index and you can see if, you're re- if the restaurant or the cafe has listed in the entertainment book because within the entertainment book there are vouchers that give you seriously good discounts you like you can get up to 50% off a meal and or or 25% and so there's a range of discounts like free hamburgers at McDonald's it's it's pretty good it's pretty good so um, the other the amazing thing is it only costs 65 bucks right but there's like $20,000 worth of deals in there it's quite significant, isn't it? So you have to spend a lot of money, though, to actually get $20,000 worth, right? Like, you'd have to spend probably at least forty. So I don't know what your entertainment budget like as a family, but my ceiling is probably not right up there. But, but it's really, really cool to, to have. Um, and so... We use it, and it's really good. We redeem vouchers. And so we, when Deb and I walk into a cafe, we, we make sure we've got the book in our hand. We don't go in with the book in our hand and then pay full price for the meal. We use the voucher. We make sure that we are getting uh, what we're entitled to once we own the book. Once we own the book, we, can, we have got access to the deals. Yeah. And so, you know, it's awesome that when we, we come to Christ— we have access to deals. <laughs> we have access to supernatural deals. Um, he has redeemed us. He is the ultimate entertainment book. Like he's not just about entertainment, but he is like someone you can keep in your car, put in your back pocket, and it, you can pull him out anytime and say, in Jesus' name, I redeem this <laughs> by faith. You know, he's, he, he, he isn't the God who just stays at home in the library. He's the God that comes with us. And we carry his nature with us because he's calling us to be ones who redeem the kingdom and redeem the world and see lost things won. In, uh, in Romans 5.17, you know, it says that we receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness to reign in life. Yeah, come on. So we can, cash, we can redeem unrighteousness for righteousness. We take righteousness back. When we, we, we haven't had grace in our life, we redeem grace. He redeemed, we have grace in our life. We can live with grace. And as last week I said, when Jesus died on the cross and he cried out, it is finished, that actually meant it is paid in full. And that was written on receipts in the day of Jesus when things had been paid. And so when Jesus died, he fully prayed, paid the price so that we could live a redeemed life. So that's exciting, isn't it? This, is, this isn't this is a life that we live that is just half pie, but it's a fully redeemed life. If you've got your Bibles here with you today, turn to Luke 15 again. Um, we were there last week. 
uh, looking at one of the first uh, parables that, that Jesus spoke. And we're just going to, um, uh, about finding lost things. And we're going to go into Luke 15, verse 15. And this is the parable of the prodigal son. Yeah, this is good. So I'm just going to get into this. There's a little bit of uh, Glenn version, and then it sort of morphs into the real version. Um, so the father's, this is a snapshot, the father's youngest son, he, he demanded the, his inheritance early in life. So he received a bank transfer of half his dad's income, his inheritance, everything, and he had it loaded straight into his credit card. And so he put that in his back pocket, and he took off on a world trip, this youngest son, the prodigal son, and he went out, and he had a party. He just went crazy with his dad's, you know, money on his credit card. And he did all the cool things that you could do, and he had this amazing OE, and it was really, really cool. And then he realized that he was out of credit. And he hit rock bottom. He had nothing else on his credit card. He was scraping uh, the dirt. And at that time, he was so far from home and he was so ashamed of himself that he um, gave his life as a servant to a farmer of pigs. He said, I've got nothing. Let me just come and help you. And he lived with this guy for a time. And, and then one day, as the story says, he was, he was there and he was chewing on his fingernails and he was watching what the pigs were eating and he was jealous of the pigs because they were like eating better stuff than he was. And he thought about the nature of his father at that time. He had this moment, he's like, man, here I am in my pig farm but my dad, I'm sure, would want, not want me to be here. He thought about the nature of his dad. And then it says, how many, he cried out, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and perish with hunger? And I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he began the long trip home. And while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to the son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to, uh, said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you and I'm not worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and now is alive and he was lost and now he's found. And so they began to celebrate. They just had this party instantly. And it's an instant party. And when I was reading this uh, just earlier in the week, I just was really captivated by a few action words um, that the father did. He was just like, right, I'm going to do something. In verse 20, it, the Bible says that his father ran to him. Do you know, the, the Jewish father in the days of Jesus would never be seen running. But the father runs with undignified love to a son who has lost his dignity. Ran to him. He ran to him, and, the, and then the father, when he when he had him with him in, in his home, the father he said to his servants, "Quick, like let's action, let's action this. Let's I've run now. Let's action this next thing. Let's quickly do something. Let's bring the best robe quickly, quickly. Come on now, let's bring the best robe to him." 
And I just, I just felt like there's something on this for us today, that the, the redemptive nature of the Father, He restores us quickly. And He has a quick purpose for our lives. And He doesn't want to muck around with us. And He's not waiting for us to drag ourselves in like to His feet, just slowly and, and crawling in the dust. But he's, He runs to us and then He quickly wants to restore us. He quickly wants to give our inheritance to us. Isn't He a good God? He is such a good God. And if you, today you're feeling like you're dragging yourself to the Father when you come into His presence, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I just, you don't know what I did last week. You know, I just want to tell you that the Father runs to you quickly every time. His nature, His response to you is instant and He restores you instantly. You don't have to say, I'm sorry a thousand times. Although the Son said sorry once, so I'm not saying that you don't have to do that. But, you know, there's, there's like, hey, He quickly restores us. He is a God of action around your life. That is what the Father does. I'm just going to go through this morning um, four of the things that happened that the Father did uh, to the son, just to, as symbolic and practical to, ins- to, to restore him into his inheritance. Because uh, he, he the father was about redeeming a life that was lost here. The father was about redeeming that life. And I, I just think that there's, um, for Thrive, for us as a church, I, I just believe there's a quickening to restore things at this time like a speeding up of lost things, of dreams, of vision, of territory, and of hope, like quickening, a quickening, you want to bring a quickening around your life. Do you know the one thing that fathers do? Well, this is one thing that I at least try to do is fix things. <laughs> you know, dads fix things. That's just like, yeah, I've, uh, since, since uh, I've been a father, there's always been a box in the garage full of broken toys, right? <laughs> and sometimes they get fixed and then they build up and then, you know, and then I have a go at fixing them again or I will at least fix them and or some of them are just like too hard basket. But one thing that fathers do is fix things. My dad, he had the most incredible two-pot glue in the world. Like it, I think he must have like brought 20 liters of it back in 1970 before he had children because he's still got it in his shed today. Uh, and, and I would watch dad fix my toys and he would get, you know, a little bit of this, like the resin and then he'd get the hardener, then he'd mix it together with like sticks and, and he'd bond it together and the toy would never break again in the same place. You know, it might break somewhere else, but it would never break again. And it might look really ugly because it was like a brownie yellow glue that like looked terrible. And sometimes dad would be like, he like, this is not breaking. And so he would he would glue it, and then he'd get this like string stuff, and he'd wind it around the broke the breaking bit bit. And then he'd put more glue on it. And it's like, you're not going anywhere, you know. My dad was like one of those guys, like, do it once, do it right. And, um, and so, you know, and he was into Meccano, not Lego, because Lego, you drop and it falls apart. Meccano, you, you know, you do the nuts up and it's never going to, you know, break. So dad's, what's that? Yeah, good quality in a pilot. That's right. Yeah, dad was like yeah, very much that way. And it was cool, actually, at Christmas time, we went back and stayed with uh, mum and dad, and I took my fishing rod up there. Tristan and I went fishing off the rocks at uh, Kaiteri, which is usually terrible fishing. Um, there's only spotties there. But we, uh, we went fishing there, and I got the snag that was like the ultimate snag. And 
unwisely, I, sh- I should have just cut the line, but I was like, I'm not going to let you go. So I gave it the almighty heave and I snapped my rod. I was like, dang, but I'm staying with Dad. And he's got the, tw- the you know, 20 litres of two-pot glue that, he, uh, that I remember since I was five. So we went back there and yeah, Dad just got the glue out, the string out. Well, and now I've got my fishing rod and it's got this big like bulge in the middle of it. It's not breaking there again, though. <laughs> do you know the father fixes things that's what fathers do they fix things and God the father wanted you know he showed the story he told the story of the prodigal son because he saw this boy and he saw humanity as broken and he says I want to fix that I, I, I want to fix it I can't just watch you go about your life broken and so the first thing that he gave to his son the father gave to his son was the robe. Do you know when Adam and Eve left the garden of Eden, they left something behind that closed them, and that was the glory of God. The glory left them. They left the glory, and they went out from the garden naked, and shame came around them because they did not have the robe of God's glory, and they felt the shame of nakedness, and they were limited, and they were restricted because of the lack of their covering. Do you know, the, the complete opposite of redemption is someone who is limited and restricted in life. Someone who is limited and restricted and is actually ruled and governed in life by those limitations and by those restrictions. But the robe was symbolic of the, of, of the, of the, of the glory of God, I believe, coming back on the sun. The covering of the father being reinstated to the son who was lost. The covering that he did not deserve, yet grace said, you do deserve it. And so it was reinstated round his life. See, the, the father's covering is the immediate demonstration. If you're here today and you're like, I just, I don't feel like I have that covering around my life. I feel actually like I need a greater covering of the Father. And, and today, do you know that you have, your, you have His complete approval over your life because of Jesus Christ? You have His approval. Jesus Christ became approval in your place. You, don't, you can't earn His approval, but you have His approval. So the Father's covering is an immediate demonstration of his approval for you, of his love and his mercy, as well as protection for your life. And these are major awesome benefits about being a son and a daughter, eh? Like we get to wear the glory of God again because of Jesus Christ. We benefit from this. And so the robe reinstates something that was lost, Okay, so you've been reinstated back into the glory of God. You've been reinstated back. You are reinstated today. Tell your neighbor, you're reinstated as a son and a daughter of God. Come on, you're reinstated. It says in Isaiah 61 verse 10, I think I've got this one up there as well. You can stop. You don't have to say it for it says in Isaiah 61 verse 10. Okay, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Yeah, tell your neighbor, that's a nice robe of righteousness this morning you got on there. That right, you are righteous. Come on. Second thing, the second thing that the son received that day was the ring, the ring of power. 
Do you know, uh, long ago, when a ring was presented to someone, it was a sign of great affection and also a symbol of being placed in an office of authority. Among the rich, it was a sign of wealth, identity, and dignity. Do you know, Pharaoh removed his own signet ring and he put it on Joseph's hand when he installed him as, uh, as the office of, in the office of like president or prime minister, whatever it was, but he was second in charge to the king anyway. He received a ring and it carried an authority with him. So you've received a ring today representing the riches and the authority that you have in Christ. Without the ring, the son was without dignity. He had poverty of heart. He was insignificant and he was dishonored. The ring of the Father reinstates authority back into our lives. Do you know, the ring releases God's covering over the gifts and the graces that you have in your life. The gifts that you have in your life are God's gifts to you. What you do with those gifts are your gifts to God. The gifts that you have are God's gifts to you. What you do with those gifts are your gifts to God. Do you know the ring releases, there's a synergy word that I say a lot, a synergy between heaven and earth so that your place of work now becomes your place of ministry. Your place of work becomes your place of ministry. Do you know, the pastor is not the one with the ministry. We are all called to be ministers of the gospel. We are all called with purpose in our lives. You know, your place of work, your place, at, whether you're at school, or at home, whatever you're doing, that is your, the greatest ministry assignment that you can have at this time in your life. And you, in that place, with the ring of authority, you have authority in that place. You have governance in that place. You have a position of influence in that place. God has got a call for you in that place. He gives you the ring of authority. Everyone gets to be supernatural in that place, not just the preachers, someone with a microphone. You are powerfully supernatural in your office of ministry. Thank you, Duncan. You know, we are powerful people in our place of ministry. You know, we have a prayer meeting at work at, our, at printing.com on, on Tuesday mornings. We're praying. We're believing that we're going to be attractive to people, that other business in, the, in this community are attracted to printing.com, that we're going to be encouragements to other businesses. People are going to come in and they're going to go, what is with you guys? And they do that too. You guys are positive. You're awesome. Do you know there's an aroma that you have around your life to be released of heaven? It's the aroma of life. And as we believe in and actually be purposeful, you know that there's purpose in your place of work. Just know that again. If you feel like it's the same stuff, different day, God wants to elevate you from that mindset or he wants to elevate you from that job because the gifts that you have on your lives, they're there to be a part of your ministry. And if you're not operating in your gifts in your place of work, then it's reassess that because you're not born to be bored at work. You know, you're born to have purpose and the synergy that you, that God's given you with your gifts and your place of work is meant to be meaningful. So yeah, just think about that. (laughs) Everyone has a ministry as fathers, mothers, plumbers, artists, 
We find our call within our gifts, and that's what brings us joy. I was, uh, does anyone know what a loom band is? Everyone, like I was talking with someone yesterday, and they had no idea, but they don't have children. Okay, so if you don't know what a loom band is, it's like a little rubber band, and it's an amazing, like, craze that's just sweeping the globe at the moment, all right? My children, like, have this huge, long loom rope, like, loom band rope, and they do skipping. You could probably, like, skip about 40 people around it at once. It's so long. And they just, like, Tristan's wearing it. It's like, the boys are into these, like, loom bracelets. I'm like, well, that's interesting. But, like, it's just the done thing, you know? If you're not wearing loom, then you're not, obviously, on the scene. But, there's, there's an address this week. I want to tell you the story about this loom dress, all right? This is a single mum, yeah, in, in Wales. Uh, her name's Helen. And she had this idea of making like a loom garment, a loom dress. And she um, had some help from a friend and a 12-year-old daughter. And she, uh, it cost her something like, I don't know, 80 bucks to make. 80 bucks, and she made this this cool dress out of uh, like a, I think it was called a rainbow loom dress and her daughter uh, modeled it and they put it on eBay for about 86 bucks and it took them 40 hours and 20,000 loom bands. That's a lot of loom bands right there. And she listed the dress and um, they watched the auction unfold <laughs> and it, re- it received a, a total of about 137 bids and in the end, the loom dress was sold for $291,000. <laughs> it's not a bad investment right there. Yeah, that's it there. That's it. $291,000, you know. God gives us talents. You know, when God gives us this ring, I don't know if she's a Christian or not, but that's it. That's like a phenomenal blessing right there for a family. She's a solo mum, and it's like, well, every gift is a good thing from God, so I'll just take that. Do you know, every gift, every talent that we have is a gift from God, and, and you're born to be purposeful with your talents. He has an assignment for your life with the gifts and talents, and this ring is the ring of authority. It is the ring of power. It's a ring of assignment. It's a ring that you say, well, well, okay, my creativity, my gift, actually, I've got heaven's endorsement. God doesn't just give gifts to just waste. He gives gifts with purpose, and so come on. We're a church that, that believes and wants to encourage creativity in every sense of the word, whether it's accounting or painting or building like there's creativity for you that you don't even know about that heaven's got ideas for you it's good but this is the this is the point here that i want to make unless we take the posture of a son or daughter our gifts and his purposes for our gifts will never be infused with kingdom purpose we need to first adopt that posture as a son or a daughter of god he is a son. We are sons and daughters, and that is a surrendered life. That is a life where we're just willing to say, hey, Dad, help me, Dad. And he leads us by faith. Okay, third thing, sandals. All right, he joined himself. Yeah, it says in verse 15 here, back to the prodigal son, is that this boy, he joined himself with a citizen of that country. This is the King James Version who sent him out to feed the pigs. And I read in a commentary this week that this phrase in the Greek language, to join himself, actually means to be taken into slavery. 
So he became a slave. And once a slave, sandals were removed. You never found a slave with sandals because you couldn't run very fast without sandals there. You know, that was just one of the things. It was a symbol of your poverty and that you were owned by someone else if you wore slaves. So when the sandals were given back to the son, it was another reinforcement to him that he belonged to the family again. He belonged to a a family. He belonged to security. And that slave mindset was broken off his life. He was no longer owned by anyone, but he was freedom in the Father. He had freedom in the Father. The fourth and the final thing I just want to talk about this morning is the redemption party. Because this, this sounds like awesome. This does. This, this celebrated new life. This was, a lo- this was a party that was set up for the Father. He said, what is dead is alive. What is lost has been found. And then when the older brother heard about this party, he, and, he, and he found out that his dad had killed the fatted calf, he said, his, the older brother said to his, to his dad, hey, dad, I've been serving you. I've been serving you all these years, and you've never even bought me a goat. Like, what's with that, dad? The point I want to make here is that redemption brings the unexpected blessings to us. Redemption brings the unexpected blessings to us. The older brother just had a vision for a goat. You know, a goat might feed 10, 15 people max, maybe if you're small and you have small tummies. That's all a goat would feed. But the son got a whole calf. Now, a calf will feed somewhere like 50 to 100 people. You see that? So the son just had this vision for something that he was just using his own vision. The, the older brother, sorry. And then the, 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 the lost son comes in and the father said, see what I have for you. I've got something better than you could actually see with your own eyes. I've got something I want to give you that you, that you had no idea was waiting for you. God gives his redeemed kids unexpected surprises good things. He gives good gifts to his kids. I was reading an article this, uh, this week about how Richard Branson got Virgin Airlines started. It's kind of awesome. It was 1984, right? 1984, like the gremlins had probably just come out. Anyone see that? I was terrified of it. So Richard Branson, he's waiting uh, at the airport for a flight and he's flying, and, and, and so he's waiting at the airport flight to go and see his girlfriend, all right? So his girlfriend, I think, is in Paris, and, and what happens is that the flight was cancelled, and Richard's like, that is not good enough. You can imagine Richard Branson, he's like started about 200 companies, and he's, he's a squillionaire. Um, and he's like, that's no good. It's not good enough. So at that time, he thought, I'm going to charter a plane, <laughs> as you do. He didn't have the money to pay for it. I know when you think Richard Branson, you think, okay, he's got the money. But at the time, he didn't have the money to pay for it. But he was confident that other cancelled passengers would want to fly that night too. (laughs) He He advertised his flight on a small blackboard and sold tickets for $39 each to fill the plane. And he pulled it off. And he was able to go and see his girlfriend. And that's how the famous Virgin Airlines was born. Isn't that awesome? 
See, Richard Branson, we're not all called to be Richard Branson's, right? But he has this incredible gift on his life to turn an idea into a possibility and to turn a possibility into an actuality. Richard sees things that go beyond the usual status quo. Like, I probably wouldn't charter a plane if I wanted to get to Wellington and, like, you know, just kind of hope for the best with my chalk menu board there. But he pulls it off. And I just, I read this and I thought, man, yeah, God wants to lead us into crazy cool opportunities as a church. But we've got to be open to seeing them. We've got to be willing to take a risk to see the opportunity, to see the opportunities fulfilled that God has for us in front of us. See, the father, the, the prodigal son came back to the father and the father had something waiting for him that he had absolutely no idea about. And it was in a supernaturally awesome thing. See, the nature of the father is to reveal the, his goodness to the kids. And that's not just another like worship experience. That is that. That is a great thing to happen in an encounter with God. But our God is so creative. He wants to reveal his goodness to you with crazy, cool, fun stuff from Monday to Friday, not just on the weekends, you know. He is about getting amongst your life. He wants to reveal opportunities to you. And we need to be his kids who will say, yeah, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that opportunity. See, I believe the redemption party that was uh, thrown for the prodigal son was, was telling us that he has got way more for us than we could ever hope, dream, ask, imagine. He has got way more for us. And we need to come to him as sons and daughters, as ones who need redemption, or else we just miss it. We just go, I just wanted a goat. It's like, oh, if only I could, you know, why do I never get a goat? See, that the older brother didn't come to the father as a, as a son who needed redemption. He was just like, he was just familiar with the father. But the, the, the son came and said, oh, I need the father. You know, in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, blessed are the poor of the spirit because they, they see the kingdom of heaven. And in the song we sung this morning, you know, I'm desperate here for you. I'm desperate for your presence. I'm desperate. You know, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. David knew what it was to be desperate. Being desperate doesn't mean that we don't have it. It just It's a posture of the heart. It's a posture of the heart. If we just grab the band up now, that'd be awesome if the band is around this morning. Do you know, um, at times it feels like, I know this is my life, just being real here with you, feels like we're fighting for survival, doesn't it? Sometimes life actually just feel like, oh, just got to get through this day. Just got to get through this moment. Just got to get over this cold. Just got to like discipline this child. Just got to, you know... God doesn't want us just to survive in life. He wants us to thrive, eh? He wants us to thrive. He's calling us as a church to be ones who come to him as sons and daughter and to be reinstated with all that the Father has for us. Let's stand this morning. Let's just stand this morning. We're just going to go out on celebration mode this morning.